Hello. 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 Hi, Brad and Hello. Steven. Hello. Hello. Is this thing on? <laughs> Hello. Today, Davey Von Bolin. <laughs> uh, I, sadly, Davey's not here. But Someday. We'll get him one day. He's he's an excellent songwriter and a great accountant. Yes. He's the best accountant I ever had. Right on. A hundred percent. Who's on Going Off Track this Today on Going Off Track, we have Lou and Pete Kohler from Sick of It All. Yeah. New York hardcore legends, alleyway crew all the way. Uh, so stoked to get these guys on. Have to once again thank Paul Delaney from Clear Idols. Oh, Paul's new band Black Anvil also has a new record out called Hail Death, which is so awesome. Everyone should get it. Uh, produced by Jay Robbins. Really? It's like oh, a fuck. black metal, New York black metal record produced by Jay Robbins. Of course. I'm not surprised at all. They invented that. That their own great. genre with it, and it's awesome. But uh, so Paul knows everyone in hardcore. Um, and he, he got his Freddy. He got his Freddy. Yep. And uh, Freddy Madball. And yeah, so I wanted to get Lou and Pete on here for so long. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, Lou has kids and, you know, it's hard. But uh, Pete lives in Florida, I believe. Now. Yeah, Pete's mm-hmm. in Florida. But they were up here rehearsing and it worked out and we found a time and they came by and we talked about the history of the band. We talked about working out. We talked about... It's 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 nice when you when people are as cool as you think they are, you know, like as you want them to be, and nicer than you would think they yeah. might be. Yeah, and I've met them before, and but like just being able to sit down and talk to them, you're just like, dude, you're awesome. You know, <laughs> it's like it's just no, so they're really, cool. They're fuck, they're legends, and they fucking deserve to be. Yeah, oh, yeah. they were great, and I feel God. like we talked about a lot of things, but didn't, but only scratched the surface. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Jonah, you need wow, to step. Right did I, did I make that joke? I made a. Did I make that joke during the podcast? Maybe can you, I did, can you just step probably. down for a minute? <laughs> it's going to be like this all day, folks. Um, I had a really good pun the other day that I haven't shared <laughs> with anyone since it happened. Uh, You've just been I, holding it in, and I like using this podcast as a vehicle for some of my, <laughs> my recent puns. Uh, yeah, someone was like, "Oh, my dog. Uh, my dog's name is Banana." They're talking about it, and I was like, "Oh." uh... Sounds like your dog must have a lot of petassium. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes you should just hold them in. Yeah. <laughs> that one was weird because like, I feel like everyone was drinking and people laughed, but I felt like they just laughed because they knew I had said something that I thought was funny. Not because they were like, oh, like, bananas are potassium, it's a pet. Like, what a genius oh. line. I think everyone was just more like... Uh, oh, pity pun. I don't know. It was it maybe not my best one, but listen, man. <laughs> It's not easy to keep up. This. It's really not. Puns are hard. It's, it's highbrow art. It's something, man. It's, yeah. Without further ado, Lou and Pete. It's going off track! We are joined today and going off track by Pete and Lou from Sick of It All. How you doing? Hello. Good. Can you guys just introduce yourself so that people can uh, tell I'm Lou. And I am Pete. Thanks. <laughs> And you guys are working on a new record. How's it going so far? Yeah, it's good. We have a lot of songs. It's uh, just finding the time to make them real songs. You know? It takes... I moved from Manhattan to Daytona Beach, so I have to fly up to do all the rehearsing and whatnot. Because when I lived in the city, hey, you guys want to rehearse at this? We just mosey on over to the place and <laughs> do it for hours and stuff. But now three of us in the band have kids. It's- and... It's time hard to find time, you know. We were just talking about that. Like, when did our whole world become scheduling? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, I recall days kid. of what are we doing? It's noon, right? Did we just get up? Like, I remember that. <laughs> my, when my daughter was one, and she would come and wake me up from my bed. Like, this does not. It's not conducive to my rock and roll lifestyle. <laughs> it's 7 a.m. What are you doing? Yeah, I've been up for an hour. That's it. Me and my wife always talk about it when we had our place in on First Avenue and Fourth Street. We go to bed at three, four in the morning, wake up and the middle of the day and i was like i go to bed at like 8 30 <laughs> you know it's the exact opposite now <laughs> yeah, you, you, you totally flipped you flipped your whole schedule <laughs> yeah. the only time i could write hardcore music is when my baby is taking a nap <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like oh she's asleep <laughs> the basement like all right <laughs> i mean it must have been so wild for you guys to sort of see the way new york has changed over the last couple yeah. decades oh yeah it has changed <laughs> is that why you moved <laughs> We still don't know why we moved, but <laughs> we got a really nice house. It's a block away from the beach. Behind us is the, uh, you know, it's like, we're like kind of on an island. It's the intercoastal waterway that's right behind us. 
So it's really nice. I think we know why you moved. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty It was great. 85 the day I left. <laughs> Spring break, dude. You know? It was, oh, uh, Daytona. Uh, <laughs> I moved to Jersey. <laughs> I, did, I, I did too, represent. <laughs> That's it. I embraced it. I made a joke because back when I first moved, three of the bouncing souls moved to Manhattan. So I said, oh, they traded three souls for one sick of it all guy. So it's kind of fair trade. <laughs> <laughs> I, I moved because that's where my wife's job was, and you know I could do this from wherever in the world. Yeah, so that, I mean that's what, it was no big deal for me to move yeah. to Florida, or whatever. So. That's I mean I feel like you guys are so associated with New York. It's almost like is it weird not being here all the time, or does it feel like yeah, a different for place? Me it is. Yeah, but the area I moved in Jersey, it's it reminds me of the neighborhood we grew up yeah, in Queens. In Queens yeah. yeah, it looks Very just like, just where like we that. lived in Queens when we were kids. A little bit more space in the backyard. Though. Yeah, and they have deer instead of rats and squirrels. <laughs> and the deer are much like rats. They <laughs> yeah, they come right out of the woodwork. Come right up to. They like walk house. right down the, like the sidewalks by his house. Yeah. It's just like it's the craziest thing. <laughs> My daughter thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. I want to ride one. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've dealt with that where she's oh that's so cute. I'm like no no that'll that has they're sharp on the outs. No. Yeah. We uh when Craig had uh, his girlfriend when he dated this girl from Italy she came over we were walking. Uh, somewhere on tour, we were on tour with Dropkick Murphys, and this raccoon pops out of a garbage can. She just goes running over, like, it's so cute. He's like, are you crazy? You have rabies. She's never saw him. She only seen him in cartoons, thought they were huggable. You know? <laughs> <laughs> if a raccoon's out in the middle of the day in a garbage can, yeah, don't hug it. No way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the middle of the day. No, it's got a vendetta. Yeah. It's angry at people for some Oh, man. I have so many things to ask you guys. I know. You're so excited. Uh, I was just thinking about... I saw you guys um, in Cleveland with the Agora with, uh, I think, Snapcase and AFI. Oh, oh yeah. That yeah. was a tour. Yeah, that was a crazy tour. We had some... We, we used to purposely try to mix the bill. We did that one, and I think either right before or after that, it was us, Strife, and Good Riddance. And we would always try to mix the younger... There was the heavier Strife and, and Snapcase with the California more, you know... Uh, Good rinse and snap. Uh, AFI was great. Did someone do that for you guys when you guys were coming up? Was there a band that said... Sepultura was the first one to ever do that for us. And the way it happened, we we were doing... I don't remember if it was CMJ or one of those. We played a show, and the guys from Sepultura were there. And then Pete happened to be working in Roadrunner Records' mailroom at that time. We were working there for, like, what, a week? And uh, the guys from Sepultura, <laughs> they go, they want to meet the guy from Sick of It All. And they went to the, the mailroom and they go, we love your band. He goes, take us on tour. A month <laughs> later, they took us on tour. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and they were cool because you figure we've had more experience with other metal bands later. And mainly the crews are stuck in the 80s. The bands are pretty cool. But Sepultura from the get-go is like, they get full PA. They can go where they want. There's no stage restrictions. You know, We've had other bands we played with and they... Like the first night we would play, we you know we're very energetic on stage. We're all over the place. The next night, the head roadie would come up, see this green tape. Nobody crosses this tape. You guys are only allowed to go here and here. We go, yeah, all right, and we just go wherever we yeah, want. We anyway. just do whatever we want anyway. Because <laughs> what what are you gonna do? Tell us to go home. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> go, get it, go out with someone else. That's amazing. I mean, how do you guys usually get received on metal tours? Because it seems like you guys cross over into so many different. It's, it's, yeah. Sometimes it works really well, and then. We toured with Slayer in the States, and it didn't really work. Hmm. It was... I think we got one fan. We Seriously, there's a guy. We used to nickname We nicknamed him War Ensemble because he, he would tell us, that's my favorite Slayer song, and he still comes to every sick of it all yeah. show in Georgia. He's probably the one so guy. He actually, he actually became a, a full lifetime fan. That was a fun tour, tour, though. We, I gotta yeah. admit, we had great shows. Like Crowds would go crazy, but they wouldn't buy anything. Yeah, you they, know? Yeah. We, I remember... In Georgia, again, we were, I was standing at, we were at the merch booth, and our shirts were cheaper than Slayer's, and this, this guy came up, and he had the scariest tattoo ever, so it was big, long hair, no shirt, diesel as hell. He's looking at, you guys are pretty badass. And he turns around, and on his back, like, three-inch high letters, with a big pentagram, and it says, I killed Christ, <laughs> tattooed on his body. And I was just like, Whoa! <laughs> Oh, that's a pretty scary statement. Yeah, it's <laughs> a pretty good statement. A pretty bold statement, I would say. Damn. You think he would have bought a shirt? Yeah. <laughs> well, then he went to Slayer and paid hundred dollars for a, a, a t-shirt, a windbreaker that had like silkscreen Slayer about an inch big on it. <laughs> oh, I man. used to. I was telling I used to watch this documentary. Uh, do you, 
that Stormy Shepherd was in a lot. It was the, about the you, story so far. It was called. I think it was yeah. only on VHS. It was only I had it on VHS. <laughs> oh, no, now it's on. We put it on the end of one of our records on DVD. Oh, it, oh a, really? A bonus, a bonus, a bonus DVD. Yeah. On I thought it was really non-stop. cool though. I remember I didn't never knew how records got made. Like and it had all the footage of you guys like rehearsing yeah. and stuff. I liked it because it showed the way we. we we don't know notes and stuff, so we'd explain a riff like, look, it goes, banana, banana, nana. <laughs> you know, that, I thought that was funny. And uh, I remember Danny Luker was uh, helping us do the demo. Yeah, he Danny Luker uh, like, was in Anthrax and he, Nuclear Soul. He brought his four-track recorder in. And, yeah. we, we and he said something like that, that we, we totally ignored. We were sitting there and we were playing a song, and he, and he said something that we should have listened to. He was like, this would sound so much better if you tuned down and had a double bass in it. We were like, nah, you're crazy. <laughs> and then next year, Hatebreed came out, and that was it. Tuned down, double bass. We were like, why didn't we think <laughs> Danny knows his music. He's, he's always on the cutting edge. Yeah. I was always confused about... Uh, I remember the Fat Records put out these posters that were like, sick of it all, got fat or something. Do you have any idea who I'm talking about? I felt like they had these posters like years before you guys did anything Oh, they were putting out... It was an ad for their music, and Fat Mike loved the photograph. It was a photograph of us at the bottom bottom of the, the hill in San Francisco, hill. and it okay. was me and Pete, you know, jumping right, around. Right, right. And he loved it so much, he asked, can I use that for a, a fat ad? We're like, all right. Yeah, he was just... And that was oh, like so two or three years. On the lab- no, no. Oh, just, that's so, I it was, was two so, or three years before we signed to Fat. I've wondered about this for like 15 years. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they're not on Fat. They are. Like, yeah. I was so confused. So yeah. it was, that was a weird thing for us. He's a like, wacky guy. Yes, yeah. he is. He was just here. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, on this couch. Love yes. Has this couch been cleaned? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, it was weird for us when we did sign Fat because, excuse me, we were never fans of a label i always liked bands and then when we, we when we were offers from victory they were the big hardcore band but fat mike came with a better offer and we were more friends with mike for decades than we were with tony victory and we were like yeah let's just go mike he's our friend we got a backlash from a lot of mainly the east coast hardcore kids oh you guys are going all punk is that same band it's different a label. label doesn't mean anything else. someone putting out the record definitely i mean were you guys really close with kind of revelation and all that stuff in the beginning, yeah. yeah, you know, we all started together. I was. How was did you kind of get hooked up with 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 that? Because I know obviously they're on the West Coast. Oh, I remember. Well, back then they they, they was in Connecticut back yeah. then. Oh, that's uh, right. Jordan and Ray and I, I remember they asked us. We did the comps, and then they asked us to do a seven inch, and then they wanted to do our album, but they were busy working on Gorilla Biscuits album. So then we we were like uh, our friend Howie Abrams and Steve Martin who. They worked for, uh, what was it, Relativity at the time. They were going to start a subsidiary that was more hardcore, and they did AF, Us, and a bunch of other bands. So we went with them instead. Is that Steve who sang for AF? He played guitar. He played guitar, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's... He's a publicist now. Oh God, yeah, he's like yeah. Paul, see, McCart- see, Paul McCartney, yeah. uh, Foo huge. Fighters, whoever. I see him at SNL all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, always, yeah. he's always like always with Beck or like yeah. Tom York. It's so wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, punk takes you places. Dude, it? I know. I guess it does. Well, your sound is so like. I remember when I first saw you was well when I, when I first heard you uh, it was like on a, it was um, step down. It was on like a friend of mine had a video cassette of just a whole bunch of videos. And we're like, you have to watch this. This band is amazing. And one of the video is hilarious. <laughs> and um, Is that the one with all the dancing? Yeah. 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 That was so I remember going to see Rancid and my friend and I are in the pit and we both started doing Pizza Man and I got <laughs> side, I got knocked into so hard I got thrown out of the pit. But we were oh. laughing the whole time doing it because I'm from uh, Northern Virginia. So yeah. in the 80s, like you... It was like you had DC and then you had New York and yeah. you had California. You got ensconced, you know, in your area. Yeah. And yeah, I missed yeah. a whole lot. So it's like I discovered a lot of New York stuff when I moved to California back <laughs> in the nineties. It's just very of course how it rolled. <laughs> That's awesome. So then I go to the warp tour, it was ninety six, I believe. And uh ninety six or ninety seven. Ninety seven. Ninety seven. It was ninety seven. Yeah. And I remember seeing you guys going, This is I was I remember going, Okay, so I know this one. And then I'm trying to pinpoint the sound and you guys I love saying this about bands when it's you're you're hard to categorize for me because you there's that definite metal crossover but you're obviously a punk band yeah, you know yeah. but it's really hardcore with the way you're singing but man see, that's the thing it's with us we get this all the time from our fans because we grew up listening first got into metal then we got into punk and then the New York sound uh, like Armand when we became friends with Armand he introduced because we were the only guys in our high school literally the one 
one other guy, it was four of us, who were into Motorhead and stuff like that. And all I goes, you guys ever listen to New York bands? Like, like what? And he'd play us Agnostic Front and stuff like that. And so we have all those influences. It's like, we love the heavy stuff and the fast stuff, but then we're like, oh, we want to write a sing-along like the old punk bands did. And so we'll do that anyway. And we get stuff from some of our fans. You should write more. You just sing along punk stuff. Forget that heavy stuff. And it's like, we love it all. You know, we like all aspects of it. But to, to, to us, that's what hardcore is. It's not just like the metal stuff or that. It's, it's the mix. Back then, you'd go see a show and it would be like one of my favorite shows ever was they used to have at Dance Interior when it was open. They gave punk and hardcore Thursday nights free. Everybody comes in free. Reagan Youth. Anarchist punk band Youth of Today opening up. One of the best shows I ever saw in my life. And it was so great. Reagan Youth smoking weed on stage and watching Ray Capo stage diving and singing along with him. It was amazing. (laughs) That's before everyone started setting rules in a scene that was supposed to not have any rules. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to (laughs) do? And this may be a little bit non sequitur, but when I also remember buying a CD by this all female Japanese band. Because one of you guys... Oh, what was it? Super Junkie Monkey. Yeah, and yeah. I bought it because one of you guys was involved. <laughs> I sang on you it. You sang on it. And I, 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 I sang backups. backups on it. Yeah, I, me and my sister used to listen to it all the time. She's like, this is so not what you normally listen to. I was like, no, it's cool. Sick of it, I was involved with this. <laughs> they came... They opened up for us on the second Japanese tour. Oh, no, the third or whatever it was. So it was insane. Bad. They had like a big label behind them and they... The label asked, what band do you want to play with? And they said, sick of it all. And we were going on tour in Japan. They begged to get on the bill. We're like, yeah, sure. You know, they we, had more money. We're, than we're even in the video, if you ever. Really? If you can find online. it somewhere. I don't remember the name I of the song. I bet you can find it right on YouTube. I did. And now, you, everything's there. I think it was yeah. actually shot right in front of my we, apartment. We went to his apartment. The and they really? asked us to do it. We yeah. did our parts in front of like some gate. And we just yeah, right, mouthed right into the camera. Okay, that's it. Let's go home. <laughs> were they popular in Japan? They were getting popular. And then there was, I think the singer got pregnant. She had a... I don't remember what happened, but it ended up that she had an accident. She died. She, and that was yeah. Oh, wow. Band, so. uh-huh. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. Way to bring it down. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go. It's not where I saw that going. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry, man. <laughs> One of the things I love about your band is that, aside from the fact of the music, but is the longevity of it. Like, you seem, for lack of a better term, smart. There's a lot of bands that, you know, you can, you can watch them and you can say, like, oh, they're popular now. You know, I, I used to say to bands all the time, uh, give me give me five years of five records. Let's see what comes first. Yeah. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna figure it out. And I don't know if you remember this, Pete, but it was at one of the, um, it was at I think it was H2O and the Murphys. And I was talking to you backstage, and we're talking about um, uh, No Effects doing the their tour of going to different parts of the world for the for the backstage, backstage transport, yeah, yeah. doing that. And you looked at me and you said. I told them get the money up front, man. Yeah, before you go, that's, right. that's what we, we learn. <laughs> you don't leave the country without, the only, unless it's a rep. Obviously, yeah. if you're going to Europe, yeah, people cool. promoters they, try to stiff you guys. Though. I feel like that would be a tough move. Well, it was the the, the, the one time that it one happened, time it happened was Argentina, in Argentina, and you got to picture it. We it we was did the, crazy. The, the book we had a show booked. We got the money up front, sold out completely. Crazy. The guy goes, "Can you do another show? We'll put it in a smaller venue. You'll get X amount of dollars from the door. It's going to be insane." So we're like, all right, cool. They announce it. Bang, line around the corner. We get in, we play, and we go. The backstage was an old, uh, a, like, destroyed men's room. And it was a table there and literally one yeah. light bulb just like hanging there swinging. It was like a, <laughs> so we're standing there. It was like Dexter. We, we, go into the, we go into the room, and there's four old men. And all the bouncers from the club standing, standing there, and our promoter them. sweating and looking nervous, like, what's going on? And we see the guys reaching, the, they had a cigar box, which they took the money from the door, and they're dividing it up and handing it to me, we're like, what the hell's going on? We're getting mad. And the bouncers, who one of the guys loves, he walks over and goes, I'm sorry, there's nothing you can do. This is it. We're like, what do you mean this is it? And then the promoter hands us like 600 bucks. We were supposed to get like 3000 or 4000 for the extra show. And he's like, I, we can't do anything. Like they're they're robbing us, uh, and Craig was like, "I'll call the cops." I'll, and they were like, "Call the cops! They're gonna take you to your hotel and steal everything. <laughs> Anything you have, they're gonna steal." And that was it. So we were like, "All right." And our flight was at like five in the morning. It was already was like already, three. So yeah. we were like, "All right, let's just get out of here." <laughs> it was but, a scary. Thing. But now the whole South American thing is great. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. It's good promoters. Up, yeah, That's even we went. You know, with Mike and them, we went to you know. Malaysia and all that, and we always got the money up front. Yeah, <laughs> we learned our lesson. We just did a whole, uh, not just, but 
recently we did a yeah. Southeast Asia thing. It was great. Yeah. Where, where haven't you played that you want to play? Well, we did China finally, but uh, now they want to bring us to Beijing and Shanghai, which would be cool. Um, we had a show booked in Israel. We were ready to go. The promoter then, panicked. Yeah, for some reason, the promoter panics. There's no tickets sold. We're going to cancel the whole thing. And then we run into a band from Israel a few days later. Like, yeah, there's like 700 tickets sold. No, well, so, not so the sold. Guy they said there was like, 700 or 300 to 700 people waiting outside. They were chanting and they were yeah. like, oh, great. So we look like the jerks. Uh-huh. You know? wow. But I would have loved to have gone for there. Some reason. I guess. And we try it. We don't understand it. And I find when we play New York and we announce we're playing a New York show, we always tell them, like, buy your tickets in advance. It's going to sell out. And, and then you get stuff online. I hope there's going to be saved tickets for the door. Buy it online, man. And people get mad at us when it sells out in advance. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. And then you Hardcore, like, it's not walking up to CBGB's on a Sunday with your $5 yeah. bill and walking in anymore, you know? <laughs> Which was the greatest time in life. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's everything. You know? It's like it goes back to when you were saying in New York changes. It's like sometimes I get mad at the way the, sky, you know, the skyline's changing. Or I see people, but then I... And, uh, you know, you get mad, you see, like, people walking down the street, like, they're like, what are you, you don't know real New York, you're here for this, and you're like, but you gotta see, that's their 20 years old, this is their time, like, when right. New York was for us, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I can't get too mad at them. But it was cooler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, CBGB right, was right. open. Come yeah, on, man. <laughs> I mean, shows all the time. Did I, you guys play CBs a lot? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we were there every Sunday, no matter what. Doesn't matter who was playing or whatever. Just, that's when you saw bands. your friends, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, we didn't have friends in school. All of our friends were at CB's. Yep. Yeah. So that's when you would get to hang out. Really nobody from like high school in Queens? Nothing? He was my friend in school. Armand was my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but was like the, last year, the last year of high school, all of a sudden people started wearing Metallica shirts. And that was just when, before Ride the Lightning came out, I think, or whatever. And, and we were just like, you used to make fun of us, Metallica. Yeah. What is that? You know, and that's when, that's one of those things that makes you dislike that band. You know, yeah. Well, that, <laughs> well, and then that, like, that, the black record. Yeah. They, see, I'm with you. I don't like that. I hate that. I don't record. like Injustice Dude, for All. You, I like Injustice for All though. But <laughs> the thing I hate about it is that, and I'll go on record because he's never coming in. <laughs> Lars can't play it live. Uh, everyone knows that. We know that. We you don't just, have to. I just, I just, <laughs> I, I just saw them at uh, San Diego Comic Con and they and they played one. And I looked at this guy next to me and I went, there's, there's like three other straight bass <laughs> hits right there. And he didn't. <laughs> what song? We, we did uh, the uh, Soundwave Festival in Australia with them and we were in the crowd. And I remember standing next to him and what, what was the, I forget what song, was, second or third song in the set. And all my looks at me was, do you hear? And you look on stage, they had the big oh, screens yeah. with their faces. And he messes up. And all you see is uh, James. James around laugh. And they both like smile at each other because yeah. he knew he messed up. And I'm just like, come on, man. And, and, like we're sitting there trying to rock out to it. Then you see James go. Make like a face <laughs> he like, like, oh, yeah. like, <sighs> like kind of painful. Then he looks at him and they laugh. Yeah. You must be used to making that face. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, Paul Delaney, who hooked up this podcast. You know, loves Metallica yeah. and loves like love later era Metallica. Like loves Load, Reload, Death Magnetic, and for some reason, when Death Magnetic, for some reason, I make fun of those records on like in my writing a lot. <laughs> and every time it happens, he calls me. He's like, "Dude, those <laughs> so records I'll, are good." I, I'll admit, I never sat down and listened to Death Magnetics more than once. Yeah, me neither. Uh, Saint Anger. I heard it and I was like, this could have been so good. What is with that snare drum? Did anybody not say, Lars, that snare drum's too loud? Or the the whole production of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think they wanted it to sound kind of lo fi, but they didn't capture it right. Yeah. I think it's hard to do. I don't know if if, when you bought that record, it came with a DVD of them with a circle of amps and just playing the songs. And that sounds great. Really? Compared Mm. to the actual recording. Yeah, because it's just them. You know, they have mics. And the drums are mic'd. I think there's a bunch of fans in the room, too. Like, a whole bunch of people rocking out. And it sounds great. I think they called it oh. sad anger because they knew that's how people were going to feel. <laughs> it, I mean, I love that. It's band. a good marketing thing. Yeah. yeah. This date will be Satan anger. We, we saw them the first time they played uh, in Staten Island. They opened up for Venom in yeah. Staten Island. No yeah, yeah, that's great. They actually wow. stayed. When they were recording uh, Kill Em All, they stayed in our friend CJ's house in Queens. Yep. No way. Craig, oh, Craig and, and they would sleep. Craig uh, would hang out with them, and they used Anthrax's room, rehearsal uh, room, rehearsal room. Yeah, at the yeah. music building was it in uh, Jersey City? Not Jersey City, no. uh, Long Island City. Have you ever toured with Anthrax? 
No, we never. No, our first. Uh, we always play festival every summer. We run into yeah. our first everybody. That just makes sense to me. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was strangely we got a uh, it was an eight day run with uh, Exodus it was one of the first things we did. Yeah, out of in the eighties. Yeah, in the eighties. Really? Yeah. Uh, who was it? Annihilator had canceled, and they needed a band, <laughs> and we were on the same label. And, they, and the label said, "Hey, sick of it all is a New York Heart." Okay, and we actually got a it was actually really good really reaction because <laughs> people would wouldn't even come near the stage, and then they they saw that we were just nuts, nuts, and jumping <laughs> Skinny around. Skinny kids and jumping around. People really got into it. I recall that from the '97 Warped Tour because I was like, you know, this was that was the year that uh, Kevin Lyman introduced a third stage. We yeah. were like, this is crazy. How are we going to see all these bands? Three <laughs> stages? Yeah. This is unheard of. Unprecedented. <laughs> and I remember I was walking, trying to see somebody, and I stopped because all I saw was, I remember just you just flying all over Pete I'm pointing at. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, sh- oh yeah. It's <laughs> great. Yeah. Which is, you know, as we all know, your best way to get introduced to a band is to... <laughs> that was a yeah, good... Yeah. That was a fun Alive. time. Was it the... We did the very first Warped Tour in 95, and it was L7... Sublime, Quicksand, Us, Orange Nine, and uh, No, f- no Doubt did it. No use for name. No Doubt did the West Coast. Do one. Yeah. Is Guttermouth on that tour? Yeah. They did yeah. part of it. We, did, we all played in Florida. In it was great. Yeah. Did, did Integrity play in Cleveland or something? Maybe on that first one, the on one first show. One, I think, yeah. yeah. How, how, long, how many dates did you do on the first one? We, we, it was pretty long. When we started, we, we met up with them in Santa. And it's, the, the, my, I love telling this story because it was... We joined up in San Antonio, Texas. It was the first time, you know, on the Warped Tour. But we played San Antonio. We opened up for DRI there. We headlined there. So we played there, like, at least five times before this. And uh, they put us on the truck stage, the side stage. And the guy comes over. All right, guys, these are called monitors. <laughs> this, and we're like, we played live show. Okay, okay, cool. Now, you go on around four. Now, Sublime's going on at 345. So don't be surprised if there's nobody here to see it. We're like, all right, cool, man. We don't care. We get up to play, and we're it's like 10 minutes to four, and this, you know, small crowd in front. Then all of a sudden, bang, four o'clock, goes, okay, guys, got to start. So we start feedback. Whole crowd comes running over the hill, and we just blow the place apart. And the guy, the sound guy, comes running up on stage after. He's like, oh, you guys rule. You can, anytime you want on stage, you choose your time. You rule the stage from now on. And we're like, all right, cool, man. That was a weird tour, because someday there'll be thousands of people. And what was that show? Some, some other show in Texas. There was Oh, yeah, like Dallas nobody was there. less than like, 100. Think of that, the Warped Tour, <laughs> Sublime, all those bands. It was like, yeah, less than 100, less than 100 people. people. And it was a huge area. A huge dust bowl. And we, I don't know if it was you, or Armand, they they took all these people, take them to the local radio station to try to get show. people to come. And we did it and did it and did it and it just didn't happen that day. But obviously now there's probably ten sixteen thousand people. people that show up or whatever. I think, I think they, it's smaller now. I think they it seems like it, it down. went up and then they kind of paired. It's it like back. twenty yeah. stages. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Ernie Ball stage. So. <laughs> yeah. How did you guys kind of get linked up with kind of Lars and the Rancid guys and kind of become friends with them? Probably through Stormy. Yeah, okay. she was booking them, and they were doing their was it their first East Coast run, and uh, you know, and they were she, into us. And they they with, they yeah. they had, had they had good shows, but uh, they needed one more show, and we had just come back from Europe, and we were playing City Gardens, in fact, and uh, she said, "Yeah, can get uh, can we? I'm gonna put Rancid on the bill." We're like, of course, and they watched us, and City Gardens was insane at that yeah, time. And there's footage of that right. show too online, where is dancing from the stage all the way past the bar and it's just insanity like 1500 kids going nuts the whole night and they have the book coming out about that whole about oh, really? the talking book is about out that. and the movie's gonna come out yeah, you isn't the book out already the book's out yeah they were just uh, they just featured um, it on the daily show yeah, yeah, john yeah, stewart yeah. was the bartender there i never knew that really yeah he john said, stewart was the bartender. he, he saw so many bands yeah that we were talking about this before we we're recording that gibby haynes came on the daily show with the the author of the book and he was like, oh, yeah, I saw you guys open with the Dead Kennedys when I was working there. And <laughs> it's, I always, I always feel obnoxious when I get surprised at someone who I go, oh, you like that too? But it's like that weird of, why wouldn't I assume you would? Yeah, you know, yeah. like now I feel like a dick for not thinking, but now I'm more impressed with you, but I'm still kind of an asshole, right? Because uh, I'm judging. So it's like a guy in my, my kids, you know, little gym class, you know, I had on, our, our friend made this t shirt that's all the members of Fugazi. Mm-hmm. And I was wearing it, and he was like, "Yeah, it's a cool Fugazi shirt." And I was like, "Oh, oh. yeah, <laughs> it's cool." I mean, yeah, whatever. 
<laughs> Will you be my friend? I know no one in the suburbs. Yeah, <laughs> I saw you recently, sort of recently, perform with Refused. Yeah. Yeah, Terminal 5. Yeah. How did that sort of come about? Did you know it's those a, It's guys? another thing of us just being cool to other bands. I yeah. don't understand how why bigger We're bands legends are, are people jerks. People want to like, attach <laughs> themselves to us. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand why kidding. people want to be jerks to other bands, but uh, it, uh, who was it? The the singer and the drummer booked our our show, in our first show in Sweden, or yeah, one of our shows in Sweden. Like well, like they, they were so excited because they wanted to book shows in their town, and they called our booking agent, and he asked, do you want to play? We're like, yeah, sure. This is before Refuse was even a band. So we went and played their, their little, what was it? It looked like an outdoor it was like, strange. carousel. Strange. They're from was, like northern Sweden. Yeah. They're like from Umeå. And it was like, way awesome, up. man. It was like a, just a typical hardcore show. And Wasn't, then, who played with us? Uh, I think Snapcase was on that tour. Yeah. So, which leads me to my discussion of how Snapcase was a huge influence on Refuse, and they don't get the credit for it. Yeah. The, at least I the... Everything up till uh, Shape of Punk was just, we want to be Snapcase. They, they would even admit it to us, you know. But yeah, they were great guys, and they, they were doing their reunion tour, which they thought they were never going to do, and they said, we want to make it special. Could you come and sing? Because you were such a huge influence on us. And the funny thing is, is they haven't seen us live in years, so when we went to rehearse the two songs, they were playing at the pace of the album, which was done in... 86 or whatever and it was so slow and i was like guys you got to pick up the pace on the song They're like what do you mean i go when you go back to your hotel after sound check just do look it up on youtube watch how we play now and he came back for the show like i got it don't worry i got it what song was it uh we did clobbering time it's injustice system oh okay yeah we but it was so much so and fast. i mean it was great of them too because uh they you know the success of that album it was one of those weird deals where they put this amazing album out, and it took so many people so long to catch on, but they they were broken up by that time, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. I mean, has it always been important to you guys to kind of, like, treat other bands cool and just be nice to people in general? It, we don't... It's not even conscious, because we... It's, I guess it's either way we were brought up, or it's just something from all the music we've listened to, you know, all that PMA, that it's just like, be cool to everybody, and hopefully they're cool to you, you know? But it always we, seems that in the music in- industry, assholes get... <laughs> Anything they want and seems to keep <laughs> It's just really weird. We just joke around saying if we did more drugs and we're jerks, we'd probably be bigger. <laughs> but, yeah. but then we would have ended like a year into it. And this but then we could have made a reunion and had only one record and didn't have to worry <laughs> and about it. If you seven. broke up between every record, people yeah. would be We got advice. Out. It was 97, 99 maybe. The guy, the guy, he ended up being uh, managing Green Day for a while. A guy who ran Golden Voice in California. He was like... Uh, Man, you guys, you're still drawing good. You're still drawing good. And your new stuff is powerful. But you know what you should do? Qu- quit. And we're like, what do you mean quit? And we're like, break up for a year. And then come back. You'll be triple your numbers. And we were like, in our heads, we're like, man, we're killing it in Europe. We're making money. We have huge following in Europe. We're not going to break up for a year. Should have done it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Madball told a story when they, they did their last tour. I forget what album it was. They did a tour. And they were doing, dude, we're playing to 60 people a night. And they did their last show at... Uh, I forget the club was in Jersey. It's not there anymore. And they, they played to less than 60 people. Then they got back together. They sold that exact club out a year <laughs> later. Sold out over three, 400 people. How crazy like, and is that? Hoya goes, dude, it was the best thing we ever did, breaking up for a year. And I was like, <laughs> I hate you. It's true. I, it's totally true. I don't know why, but it it is. No, I think it's really calculated, though. Yeah, it is. And but, but then yeah. now the, the other insincerity thing, of it bothers me. The other thing is, because of these reunions, they do so well, like... Everybody wanted Judge to come. Like, all right, Refuse was the first. Everybody wanted Refuse, Refuse. But it's not like Refuse only had one good record. They had a bunch of good records, then they had that uh, genre-changing record. Right. So that's great. But now, like Judge, they had that one good record. Chromex has that great... They have other records, but only one great one. And now we were asked to play the Fun, Fun, Fun Fest in uh, uh, Austin. We've done it before. We've had great reaction. We had It was amazing. But they want to be specific because this year is the anniversary, the, the 20th anniversary of Scratch, Scratch a Service and, and f- 25th, 25th of our first album, Blood, Sweat, No Tears. And they want us just to play those two records. And we're trying to tell them, like, we're a prolific band. We keep moving forward. We don't, it's not like we never play the old songs. We have them in our set every time. But we're not like those bands. We don't have one definitive record. We have a career. That's what people love about us. And we talk about this all the time. We have friends who are like, oh, your first three albums are my favorites. 
We have other people who are like, oh, your album Call to Arms from 99. That's when I discovered you. It's my favorite one. In Europe, when we play stuff off the last two albums, we get a better reaction than playing anything. It's just insane to us, you know, because we've been that long. And now we have this festival that wants us to play two specific records, which is not going to guarantee a, a great show. I mean, we'll play as hard as Some of as the songs want. on Scratch the Surface suck. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the songs <laughs> on the first record suck, too. The <laughs> recording on the first record sucks. This is why and we was... always admit it. <laughs> In interviews, we're like, we did on our... Uh, 25th year anniversary, we did a re we went into our producer's house. We were in Europe. We had a few days off, went to Denmark, re-recorded a bunch of the old songs the way we play them now. Harder, faster, heavier, all that. Put it out and we were proud of it. And people were like, Yeah, this is a good version, but those old ones really get no, you love what it reminds <laughs> you, love, you of those time. times. Yeah. Right. If you listen, I'm talking monotone through those albums. I'm not even screaming. I'm like, Someone would have to tune my guitar for me. <laughs> now I have a little machine that I look at. <laughs> It's called a phone. This is why you don't. Why it's good you didn't break up because that's what happens with the band. The bands that break up and then become huge, then they have to play all back catalog. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know? not, and then when they put out a new record, people are like, eh. Dude, that's yeah, the thing. Exactly. I, and I don't want to harp because Killing Time is one of my favorite bands. They put out that album, Brightside, and it, it's again another definitive hardcore album that you put that that band gets up and plays that record. The place. All these forty-year-old bald guys are going to go absolutely nuts, yeah. and as long not skinheads are just bald. <laughs> but they put a, after they they came back and they start they saw the big reaction. They were going like, "Yeah, let's do another record." They put this out right. Nobody gave a crap about yeah. it. Yeah. They just want to hear that one record. Yeah, I mean, I feel though a lot of bands in your position don't continue to get heavier and harder and faster. I mean, what do you what do you kind of attribute that to? I don't know, man. I think it's just what we love. It's just what we love. We, it, we were brought up on Black Sabbath and stuff like <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. you know, and Motorhead and stuff. And we like all kinds of music, but that's what gets you going. Can you imagine me trying to sing acoustic melodic? <laughs> yeah, what are we going to do? We're going to do an acoustic thing. Yes. You know? I mean, how did you guys get kind of because it seems like hardcore didn't really exist when you guys were were coming up? I mean, how did you go from listening to metal and kind of being in that scene to kind of the, the New York hardcore going through like? GBH, Discharge, okay. Anti Nowhere, Plasmatics, the Plasmatics stuff it like kind that. Of That's what kind of, like I said, then Armand would play us negative, negative approach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Negative approach and uh, Agnostic Front. We're like, this is, you know, Agnostic Front's from New York City. Yeah. yeah. And he'd be like, yeah, they have these shows in the city every Sunday. But like, oh, let's go. And we went and we saw the record release of uh, Victim, Victim in Pain. Pain. We no both had really way. long hair, metal. Jackets, you know, like motorhead wow. patch on the back, and, and it was, everybody was, was super cool to sold, us. Were like, what sold me on that? Sold me on harder than wow. I had long hair. I had my motorhead jacket on. I'm like this skinny little geek, and this guy goes, "You like? Hey, you, you like AF? Yeah, yeah." I'm talking to him. I'm like, yeah. I go, "Victim of Pain. It's, it's amazing." It's, uh, I put it on. It spoke to me. He's like, "That's great, man. That's real cool here." And then they go, "All right, I gotta go." It was Vinny Stigma. No <laughs> way. The guitar player walks up and gets ready to play. And I'm just like, "That was the guitar player." <laughs> We went to and, see and, Black Sabbath when we were 12. They were like 90 feet, 90 miles away. You had to look at binoculars to watch them. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Buddy Sting was standing around. And it was a scene that, like he said, that spoke to you. It was like, <clears throat> the guys in the band are right there. So they were like, then we could do this too. Yeah. And then we did. Had nice. you played it all before then? Uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> that Not was the beauty all. of punk and hardcore. <laughs> We loved metal. My, my, I, my first but metal you really have to play, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> but my first introduction to guitar playing was when I was at, at Christmas time, you know, a thousand years ago. My parents got me an acoustic guitar and Roy Clark's big notebook. Roy Clark. <laughs> Very was just underrated, like, amazing guitar player. Yes, yeah, man. Roy he Clark's is a guitar yeah. hero. He's a god. The way he, the chicken picking stuff. Oh, but the thing good. is, it's like... I can't read music. I was a kid. I didn't want to learn. You know? <laughs> I wanted to go nuts. And then I just gave that up, whatever. And then I saw hardcore. And I was like, I learned the bar chord. And 28 years, 29 years later, <laughs> keep going. With it. it still works. <laughs> Why mess with it? It works for the Ramones. <laughs> Even B.B. King only knows what. He only plays he only knows, one uh, key. Uh, one scale, like yeah. a pentatonic scale. But he's always running off that one thing. He... he that's a very good lesson. Listen, you listen to some of those blues masters that mm -hmm. are held as so iconic. Yeah, they're playing the yeah, same they're, shit. They're just over. running off one scale. Mm -hmm. Do you guys play in drop D or standard or D? We D. do D now. Yeah. yeah, gotcha. It's another thing that we, yeah, when we put out better the for his voice. Yeah, yeah. It's easier for me to hit some to of the hit notes. notes. But when we go for lower notes, online says, "Ooh, it kind of sounds like you're making a Cookie Monster voice." I go, 
But, you know, that's the big thing, isn't it? Cookie Monsters? <laughs> I don't know. What was it like when when you did uh, Can't Wait One Minute More, when that song was all over the radio and your voice was on it? I was sitting there going like, why the fuck didn't I get money for this? Yeah, like, where, <laughs> so, when does that check come when, in? Where's that check? You still waiting for you it? Still waiting you still waiting for that check? Yeah. Never came. People got brownstones and tattoo shops now. I got, you know, a house in Jersey that I'm scraping by on. It was, it was just, they pulled the hardcore friendship card. It was fun, you Yeah, know? It was no, cool. Was, we had was, a good time. Was a great guy. They're all oh, yeah. Yeah. Walter, yeah, all the of them. You know, it was fun. It's funny, though, when you're sitting at a hockey game and all of a sudden, like, that's me! I'm the guy in that part! <laughs> and would, could you not show up to the video or something? Was that why you are on no, the No, no, it was all because it, we, were on, <laughs> we were on a tour. It was Sick of It All, Biohazard, uh, Sheer Terror was on part as the opening band, and Fear Factory was the other opening band. And we were playing in Arizona, and there was a big Nazi skinhead uh, problem in Arizona. Probably still is. And, uh, you think? Yeah. <laughs> and during Biohazard set, these skinheads were oh, choosing kids and just beating them down, beating and them down. And there was one little black kid having a great time, and he was a little dude, and they all we're kept going. going after him. So, so in our set, stop. they started a big fight, and we stopped the set, and I started saying, listen, we didn't come here to see you assholes start fights. Let's just, everybody have a good time. I don't give a shit what you believe in. And then this guy goes, yeah, yeah, we didn't come here to hear you talk. And then I see a flash. I'm like, what the hell is that? This guy jumping off stage, punching the kid in the face. <laughs> I didn't do anything like that. <laughs> so anyway, a riot breaks out, of course. <laughs> so this whole riot goes on. And when, it all, when they finally separate the two crowds and the police come, it was, oh, there's some hilarious stories in there. But... <laughs> A, a police helicopter landed in the street in front of the club. It, <laughs> he's kind of downplaying he got, what he happened. Had <laughs> so all of a sudden, we're all, we're all trying to. All right, let's let's calm down. Let's. let's we had to wear disguises we, to leave the club. The, 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 so the police the guy from the club comes around and goes, "Yo, everybody's <laughs> saying the guy from Sick of It All started it." And I go, "Who me?" They go, "No," and they point at Pete. So Igor from Sepultura goes, "Come with me," and they put a disguise on him, throw him in Igor's car, and drive him to Igor's house. So that Fake was, mustache and an iPad yeah, yeah, immediately yeah. in his pocket. <laughs> We're from out. Brazil. Yes. We deal with this all the time. That's that's probably probably what what on him. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's what, you know, uh, that was the joke was that I was in, we were in, because we couldn't play uh, uh, Arizona for that. Yeah, for, they, they banned us from for, playing in for Arizona. A year. Because something, so that was someone else that, did. That was oh, the joke. I was actually at that shoot. I was actually, uh. Right, you know, where you see the, the stands of the people in, yeah, the, in yeah. the audience. I was behind there filming my bit, <laughs> dressed as a prisoner. That is so funny. I mean, I love that video because we did so much. If you if you watch it, it was a fun things, day. It was a really fun stupid day. Little, there's one scene where they're panning and you see the crowd. If you watch very carefully the top of the crowd, <laughs> me and Armand are standing behind the whole audience and one of our good friends, Armand's roommate, is sitting at the top of the, the bleachers and he's like rocking out. And Armand takes a milk crate and throws it up and it lands on his head. And you see it in the video, but it, it's, you have to look. It's way in the back, like one of the scenes where like Arthur's playing bass or something. Just dumb things that we do for our own amusement. I mean, what's it like for you guys? Because obviously Sick of It All shows, in a way, are inherently sort of violent. I mean, I know it looks more violent if you don't know what's going on. Yeah. But I mean, how do you skirt the line between like stopping a set? Because like, I'm sure fights well, and stuff is sort well, of normal. Well, since the 90s ended, yeah. fights don't really happen at, at our shows. shows. Yeah. At, at we, our shows. And we consciously, consciously at that time, you know, we played with, like, like we said, AFI we would put in there and, right. and yeah. you know, good riddance or whoever that was not a tough guy going to draw a crowd that's going to beat up their own crowd, you know? And, and we're always trying to push that you're at work and work sucks. You're at school, school sucks. But here, it's only about fun. If you want to fight, go to the gym. If you want to fight, join the Marines. <laughs> but don't. You come to the show. That's why on stage we're smiling and laughing and having yeah, a great time, a time because yeah. it's a good time because it's music. You know, it has nothing to do with a gang or anything that, like that's that. That's what's funny. It's music. When we play the festivals in Europe and we play mostly the metal and hardcore ones, but we do a lot of the pop ones because we're very popular over there. And we get people who don't normally come to hardcore or heavy shows, and they were like. I really don't understand your music, but I love the, the enthusiasm you guys have, and you're all happy. I've seen heavy acts, and they're scowling and this and that, but you guys are laughing. You know, it's because we, you know, it's it would like, be boring Because you're, you're doing 
what you're sitting in when you were in high school like god this sucks and now i'm gonna have to get a job and <laughs> now i'm just jumping around on stage and having a great in the time Alps, yeah you know? in some gorgeous place somewhere on earth it know? is supposed to be fun right that's kind of the point <laughs> yeah. <as far> as <laughs> i've had i've had I've done a lot of jobs where at one point someone would be really serious and you have to go wait we're not pulling anybody out of a fire man <laughs> calm it down it's cool don't you worry <laughs> you mentioned the Ramones earlier and that uh obviously we're fans but if you saw the Ramones which I'm sure you did mm. you saw a band play way faster than any of their records oh, and you yeah. talk about how your sound has like it sounds like even you're seeing your older songs you're now playing the way you're playing now oh, yeah, everything playing way faster yeah I I love that <laughs> I love going to see the Ramones because I'm like well I just saw the whole catalog yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what's that that album It's Alive is great oh, it's, it's just non-stop one two three one two three one it just goes on and on and on it's would amazing. you see those guys around Queens when you're when we were kids we were kind of jerks uh, when we were Vic uh, he played uh, uh, was it Reagan Youth Reagan. and, and uh, what was his other band Nausea Hellbent Nausea he played in a lot of iconic punk bands and we were hanging out in Flushing Main Street and we were like, I go, is that Didi Ramone? He goes, yeah. We were, hey, Didi, you suck. We were jerks, little punks, you know. It was mean. And then we'd go see them play for free in, uh, was it Flushing Metal Park? Park. They would play for free. It would be awesome. I think they changed uh, the name of the park, though. Oh, it was Flushing Metal Corona Park, where they had Corona the park. 69 World Fair, 65, whatever year it was. They would just play, Ramones would just play 69. free shows there? Uh, they, every summer they would do a uh, different band, but Ramones did it like two or three times. The wow. Cure played there for free, which I didn't even know until later. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff like that going on. You going to tour The Cure? And we played festivals. We played... Uh, that, that's got to be the most fun about playing festivals. You can just yeah, go see all these bands stuff, that... Yeah. played played uh, Roskilde Festival. Roskilde, yeah. For two years in a row, they loved us in Denmark where they... well. They, they put us and Prodigy on the same stage both years, and the crowds would, would go nuts. We would go on and be total hardcore, jumping around, screaming, then Prodigy come out, and guys from Prodigy would be rocking out while we were playing. Who was that reggae act that went on before us that time? I don't know. Yellow Man? No. What was that? Uh, was it Miss Murder was their big hit? Not Miss Murder. That's the AFI song. Papa <laughs> Roach or something? No, yeah. a reggae it's act. A reggae, it was these two, two guys, and, and they were like... St- Moking these giant spliffs, watching us play, and they were loving it. They had never seen anything like it before in their lives. <laughs> that was kind of the first year that we were doing the huge festivals. Yeah. So, a lot of people. It was the first time they even heard anything or seen stuff like that. Yeah. And a lot of those people are fans still. Yeah. Because we, we, you know they're not like, oh, I'm a hardcore guy. It's just like I like this band. Yeah. So it was good to do those. Sh- do you like that with the festivals? Because there, there's criticism of festivals that it, it takes away from the, the club culture. You know, that, that, because, you know, you're still doing it, but. It does, though. You think, I think it affects it more in the States than anywhere else. You can't, in the States, you can't States, have yes. a successful tour unless you have a big package tour like the Mayhem Fest or, or mm-hmm. Vans or whatever else it has is to be out a there. happening you know? here, mm-hmm. you know. In Europe, we can do the festivals in the summer and then come back in the winter and do a headlining club tour. Right. You know, make and, sure it's a good bill, but... You know. and, and what we do when it's festival season and, you know, you don't want to have, like, half the week off because there's no festivals Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We play the smallest clubs we can. In town, Which makes yeah. it special for... And your core fans will be like, wow, I'm going to come see these guys yeah. Yesterday they played, you know, full force festival is 80,000 people. And today they're playing, it's 200 people. So it just makes it more special. Since you guys have been touring for so long and know how to do it, how do you balance it with families? Do you tour for shorter, shorter yes. amounts of time? It's shorter, shorter spurts times. now. We used to go out and be, all right, we're going out for two months straight. Okay. Because we wouldn't care. You hadn't. Yeah. You know? And now it's like, okay, three weeks. Three weeks is four the, is pushing it. Yeah. You know, three weeks is the kids, tops. Yeah. Especially as they get older. Like now that my daughter's. Almost four, she's sitting there going, when are you coming home? Like the last tour we did was a little over three weeks and it was the two, two and a half week mark. And I'd get on Skype and she's as always runs up, daddy, daddy, daddy. And, you know, waiting. And I go, are you coming home? And I'm like, no, not yet, honey. Okay. And we'll run away from the Skype. Didn't want to hear from me unless I said I was coming home. <laughs> it's pretty brutal. Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, 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 who, I've been up here for just a week and. I uh, can't stand it. But, <laughs> it. but now with, but 
uh, technology makes it's, it, 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 it makes it easy. It helps. Yeah. It's not the same, obviously. And you get the cute picture, like when my daughter was too kissing the screen when you come. Oh home, yeah, you know, yeah, it breaks yeah. your heart. Hugging, but it's hugging the screen. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you guys? Do you guys have time to do other like kind of hobbies outside the band? Like I know, like I just yeah, like working out or he works out. I yeah. read comics and and. Like, you know, it's fiction I'm short, he's tall, I work out, <laughs> he reads comics. I only work out when he's here. When he lived in New York, I was in my best shape yeah, of my yeah, life. Yeah. He would come to the gym with me every day. Nah, I still have a, I have a YMCA membership. He's like, come on, let's go. All right, let's go. Hey, I can work out. It's fine. And then when he leaves, like, I'll go to the gym. Oh, I got to go here first. <laughs> it's Wednesday. It's 10 exactly. o'clock. I got to go to Midtown. <laughs> exactly. I got to go. It's comic book day. I got to go with the other nerds. What are your comics in Jersey? Uh, I go to my neighborhood, this one place called uh, Little Shop of Comics. It's good. Who are you into? Oh, uh, Avengers, uh, the Hulk. I like Marvel a lot. Marvel. Uh, I do read uh, Invincible from uh, Kirkman. Kirkman. That's a really good one. It's get, it got weird with that robot kid. Yeah. It, it's still getting really weird. <laughs> Take a break, everybody. Steven knows, Let's go. Um, Steven knows right. so much about comics. <laughs> good. So make this a comic. Uh, yes. We, it, 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 we, we both had... know so little about working out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so little. Yeah, but Jonas runs yoga, dude. See, that's good. That's what I have to get into yoga more. I started it, but... It's inter- a lot of those New York hardcore guys, like we had Walter on mm-hmm. and Ray, like a lot it of those keeps guys, you going, man. yeah, they really were into it and stayed with it. And mm-hmm. Ray has like this double Ray's life. Amazing like he's like this super stuff. yoga guy that people don't know anything else about. Yeah, Tim from Ensign, the Jersey band Ensign, he's another teacher now. He yep. became all that. The, oh. the guy who used to be in Rest in Peace. Oh, Robert Chavaria. He, he was in Biohazard and Biohazard too, a guitar player. He's a, he's a yoga big guy. guru in, uh, down in South Jersey. Somewhere. Really? I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. All those years screaming their heads off, they got to do something, balance it out. <laughs> That's the thing with us is we can't calm down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it when we take younger bands out and they, you know, they're going off on stage. I go, oh, you guys are awesome. But then they, you know, by the third day, they're coming up and going, how the hell are you guys doing this? Yeah. <laughs> see, but they only see us on stage. They don't see me when I get up out of my bunk and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> like rigor mortis setting in there. <laughs> okay. We make the joke that it's like uh, the picture of Dorian Gray. Like, you know, when he saw his portrait, that's when he would age. The minute that we say, sick of it all, it's over, we're all going to age 90 years in these <laughs> wheelchairs. So you can never end it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to have to keep it up. I don't know. It's half true, for real. I mean, it is true. You see it, man. You see yeah. people stop doing what they love and they fucking just rot. Well, one of the reasons that I, I run, I do CrossFit, I do. You do all sorts of it. You're insane. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what that is. Jiu-jitsu. I know they sell shoes for it, though. All kinds of crazy. It's for the stage. And if I if the band wasn't around, I'd be like, okay, let's show you how crazy I am. I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to ride my bike to the gym to do CrossFit, then other stuff, then ride my bike back, and then go running just so I could be ready to play the show is coming yeah. up. Right. See, the, other, the younger bands are doing that, but they're involving drugs. You yeah, get up yeah, early to I, go to I, the I, Pretty much never thing. did drugs in my life. So. Armand's like a drink beer connoisseur, so he years. drinks a lot on tour. Yeah, Armand's a drunk. I was <laughs> 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 just kidding. <laughs> Craig would love Craig would be laughing to He's a drunk, he's an alcoholic. <laughs> but, uh, Almost like a beer snob. Oh, yeah, we yeah. call him beer yeah. snob. He, and he'll admit it. But just think we play Germany and Belgium. Oh, they have the oh well, Belgium. So, Especially, he, uh, so he, he goes on the tapas Brew. tour. <laughs> yeah. oh, we go to Brew. We get it all backstage. All, all and we, free. We have a hookup. We have this uh, guy. He's like a Belgian. He's a fireman in Belgium, but he also works security. He's done security for the president of Belgium. So he has all these hookups. And there's a certain beer. What's it? I can't remember the name of it. It's made by these monks. They only make a certain Chimay. amount a year. <laughs> and he and it, and it thinks the seven year waiting list to import it to the states it's a two year waiting list in Belgium he gets it all the time brings cases to Armand the, funny story like, talking about disguises before <laughs> the last tour we were on he went to the place to get that beer and you're only allowed to come once a week to the place to get it I'll, and he came right back with the disguise <laughs> on <laughs> and they caught him <laughs> oh, like, hey, get out of here should have wore the false nose how weird is that it's funny should have like Inspector Clouseau <laughs> with the nose beer. melting off yeah, yeah. somebody else was telling me that they had brought back some of, the, some of this and there's really beer. no label on it and you yeah. know the, the taste differs a little yeah. but it's supposedly the greatest because it's made with tears <laughs> <laughs> have you guys played Gross Rock before yeah. oh yeah yeah, yeah. Those, all those festivals that popped up uh, midsummer, 
It was Grows Rock and, and Grass, Grass Pop, Pop, Midsummer Metal Me. We've done the very first three of those all and, full, and force. full force. We've done the very at least the first three, and then every other year we've done them before any hardcore band. Is it like a rule if someone starts a festival, it's like we'd all have to do it first? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> sort of a good luck. We've played now all those guys are millionaires. <laughs> we they still stiff us on the guarantee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what the full force. When we started, we had no money to get big bands. I think, uh, I forget who headlined the first one. We were. Right before the headliner on the very first Some one, metal band. I don't remember. I don't know. And to show you how how unorganized it was, that was our first year with a tour bus, a European tour bus, and they didn't know where to let us in. So our, our road manager goes, "Go this way." He drove straight in front of the stage. People had to get up and move. And the bus was stopped. There's a band on stage, some death metal band playing. We drove through the pit, and we drove through the pit. So then we all pretended we were like moshing in the bus. Oh. That's how I get, and now the guy who started was a friend of ours, and he's a multimillionaire. Yeah, he's, he's still a friend. Great of ours, guy, multimillionaire. I mean, what's it like to see maybe bands that you took on tour who are smaller, kind of like have these crazy rides? I mean, is it like oh, it's it's amazing, and, and and we're luckily lucky that uh, bands like AFI and Rise Against, and you know, and again like Refuse and all them, uh, they reciprocate it, and they'll. Yeah. Even Dropkick Murphys, who we never took on tour, but they would tell us how much an inspiration we were to them with our work ethic and the way we are, uh, you know, took us out on tour. Corn is another band that when they started, their manager kept sending our manager their, their uh, demos and pre-release. Like, I want them to learn a live band. There's no better live band than you guys. Uh, take them on the road. We were like, ah, whatever. When I heard it, I was like, this sounds like... Sepultura meets Nine Inch Nails. I'm not into it, but we'll take them on the road. Wasn't overly, you know, they were cool. They they were never like, you know, uh, jerks us, but they were kind of standoffish. I think they kind of knew they were going to be big. But ever since then, wherever we're playing together, they come. I remember playing some festival in Belgium again. They were the headliner. When they were coming in, they had security come in and clear out all the backstage. You had your own little cabins. No one's allowed out of your cabins. Everybody in court and everybody's getting all grumpy. Like uh, Pennywise is mad about it. Everybody's mad about it. We was like, ah, whatever. We're sitting in our room. We got a knock on the door. Instead of going to their backstage, they came to hang out with us and say hello, which is nice, you know? Totally. They were so huge at that point. So I always thought that was stupid that they would clear out a backstage at a festival area where everyone does the same Don't job. Look at this guy. It's like <laughs> we have a backstage backstage that makes it much more special than the other guys. Yeah. It's that that whole festival scene. I remember uh, when I had to work. Um, Bonnaroo. Don't play that mm. one. Uh, <laughs> it depends how much they're paying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well. Uh, it depends on how much cow shit you want to walk through. <laughs> oh, because great. during the year, it's a farm, and then they clear it out for the festival. <laughs> awesome. So all the mud you're stepping in is fecal matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's awful. Now, hippies, just they just absorb oh, that and mainline that shit, and that fuels them to listen to the gutter tripe that's more on like, stage. Oh, but, more um, like moo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but I remember they had like these backstage packages where for fans, where here was the camping site, but if you paid literally like 10 grand, you could be over here what? for mm. a festival to be in this tent that was that looked like a house, but it was a tent that had, you know, had a restaurant and catering. There was nobody wow. there. And then if you paid mm. more money, you got your own, uh, what is it? What's the bus? The night line or whatever the, the like a tour bus you yeah. get your own tour bus wow if you wanted to do that, that man wow people got money to burn i don't understand do. with like you guys bought flight tickets lately and like they're like for like 20 more bucks you can board earlier yeah and all stuff it's <laughs> yeah, like, what? All, they all can do what of... they want man that, that's the thing they airlines do whatever the hell so they want crazy. because what are you gonna do now it's i'm not gonna fly We'll have. You know, I'll we, take a book. Yeah, I'll fuck. board whenever though. I don't care. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just got a lot of flyer miles. So yeah, it's crazy because I get upgraded to first class all the time, and it's like yeah, once you go up there, you're just like, oh, I don't want to go back to. No, oh, totally. Yeah, you feel very special when you. I used to people think, walking by. You're like looking at them. Like, you get <laughs> you get a tablecloth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you get it, silverware. It is weird though. I used to always <laughs> talk about how. What a waste of money first class was, and then I got bumped up once. And as soon as the other people are getting on, you have this air superior I'm like, oh, look at these, <laughs> cheap, you're so much these cheap skates. Can they in hold the their back, breath like, as they go by? Hold yeah, your it's breath. so funny. I got I, such a superiority complex as soon as I sat down. <laughs> and everyone's super friendly to you know in, first in, in the first oh, yeah, class. You're all and the, the, you're all the way I look and everything, everyone's like, this guy must be famous. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not. 
<laughs> I could barely pay my mortgage. So. <laughs> but you've had if you, you've had the first class moment where someone goes, "Oh, sick of it all," right? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. It's it's, but, it's, it's it's never really a pilot once came up to me before just before he went on the plane. He was like, he goes, "You're Pete from Sick of It All, right?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah." And he gave me his like his email and stuff to like. <laughs> Yo, hook me up. Yeah, I was like, cool. Hook me up. <laughs> hook me up and get me there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the best story. It, it's not about us. It, our our sound man. In fact, he's he's he moved back to New York and he he works at uh, Webster Hall now and he's coming on the road with us again. He uh, after we toured South America, he went back. He met a girl and he went to this girl's. Uh, wanted to go with this girl. She goes, yeah, we're going to my father's house. And he's some way up in the jungles in Argent in Argentina somewhere. And he said there was a huge mansion. He goes, he says, we sat there and smoked like opium for days. And he goes, finally, he woke up and he goes, I got to get out of here. So he <laughs> goes through the jungle to the dirt road, gets on this bus and this rickety ass bus going on these mountain roads. And they all of a sudden, they get stopped. And it's the police. And they're going through the bus and they're yelling. And he's crapping his pants. They go, who are you? And they ask him in Spanish or whatever in Spanish. And then he, he says he's in English. And they go, who are you? And they go, Give us your ID. And they're going through his wallet, and he finds his sick of it all tour bus. And the guy goes, you know this band? And the guy goes, yeah, I work for him. You were at the show, blah, blah. Yeah, I did sound. <laughs> Come with me. What are you doing? He goes, I'm trying to get to the airport. Come in. Got him in the car, drove him to the airport. <laughs> no way. And we're like, why is that ever happened to us? <laughs> so if you're ever stranded in the jungle of you keep a sick of it all tour pass on you. Yet again, you can't imagine. Like, there's nothing to do to follow up how cool those guys are. Dude, so cool. I want to hang with them all the time. I really do. I really do. I I remember, you know, he'll he'll show up. He you know, being friends with Rusty, you see H two O a lot, and uh, Lou has sang with them before. And it's like whenever he shows up, you're like, oh, awesome. You know, it's just like it's like just doubly cool. It's just great. Dude, we talked on the show that when Lou came out and sang with Refused at Terminal Five, and they did a Sick of It All cover. Ah. <sighs> So ridiculous, man. <laughs> awesome. That guy's like the ultimate like hardcore. Like it's hard to have more hardcore cred than being like in sick of it all. It, if we ever get our roundtable discussions off the ground that I've talked about forever, uh, when we do the comic one, it'll be like comic nerd stuff, and then we'll have Lou because he's a big comic head too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'd be awesome. I just love that having like a big hour long discussion. With you know one of the legends of New York hardcore, but not about hardcore at all or music, just talking about comic. Yeah, wow, well, we could do a podcast where like that's the goal of the podcast is not to totally talk about music. We're trying. If you <laughs> if you want to help us buy a round table, you can donate to Going Off Track uh, through our website. Nice, um, because we physically need one. And uh, that's not really like a typical thing they have a recording studio. No, right? they have no round table here. Yeah, everything Man. is has very straight edges. So <laughs> donate for a round table. And you don't have to be straight edge to do it. No, you do not. In fact, we would prefer it. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's how I like to alienate our audience that I know is there. Sorry, yeah, that's everybody. good. That's good. Those people probably stopped listening earlier. <laughs> those people probably stopped listening as soon as we start talking again. There are, there are those of you out there, and it's fine. We just don't have the cool forward ahead thing. Yeah, exactly. But um, also, we're on Twitter, Facebook. I don't know. Like, do, we're guys, there, man. Yeah, you guys Social know. Media. If you're listening to this, you know how to download a podcast. You know how to do all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. We do not do Tumblr because um, we we believe there should be more than one vowel in that word. Yeah, I I like um, I like when people are like, I tell them about the podcast, and they're like, I don't listen to podcasts, and I'm like, okay, cool, and they're like, and then they keep talking about it, and I'm like. Yeah, you don't listen to it. That's cool. Like, I don't want to hear about why you don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you know what it is? And you could say, what do you do? And they can tell you and you go, yeah, I'm not into that at all. Uh, yeah. I don't care how much of a firefighter you are. It doesn't affect me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listen to my show. You know what? Uh, what kind of doctor? I, w- I, will say, I will say, though, if you are, the, the one acceptable answer for not listening to podcasts is I have that I've talked about before, but I have this awesome police scanner app. If you just walk around listening to the police scanner, I got respect for you. Do you guys ever listen to it? No. <laughs> it is so cool. <laughs> you can browse you can so browse geeky. by like local like you can do the most popular ones, which is usually like LAPD or like 
some fire department where there's a big fire. But You're still listening to Boise, dude. You you can listen to your neighborhood. You hear what's going on. You hear about like break-ins in your neighborhood. Really? Yeah, yeah, totally. There's all kinds of shit happens you don't hear about. I should have rushed home and listened to the. I was driving over the bridge yesterday, and this guy was walking. This older guy in a bright red shirt. And I didn't realize till I was well past him that I think he was drinking some kind of cleaning fluid out of a bottle. Why do you think that? Because he was holding a bottle of cleaning fluid. <laughs> okay. And as I went past, he was he had a little cup that he like seemed to be having a really hard time to drink. You get I shouldn't be saying this because I didn't run home and call three one one or nine one one. I'm not. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> Did. <laughs> Commander police guy was like, "Yeah, we got this guy drank a bunch of Clorox on the bridge." Uh, we we had the cops show up out in front of my house a couple of weeks ago, and they're driving by, and my wife is looking at the window. She's like, "Why are the cops out front?" And she looks out the window and says the following thing: "They just picked up a wig off the side of the road and a bottle of wine," <laughs> which would initially mean me going, "Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Let's." Go talk to them about it. But we used to live in the East Village, so that's just daily yeah. life. So you just don't care. But she opens the door and she's like, what are you guys doing? And this guy, this cop goes, did you see me pick up the wig? We got a call about a wig. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, suburban Jersey. Wow. Wig and a bottle of wine. Very suspicious. Very suspicious. I want to know how that end- night ended up. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's pretty much par for the course in the East Village. Yeah. That's... Outside every door. Yeah, pretty much. Wig and a bottle of wine. Yep, that's pretty much how it works. Some of the crazy stuff I've seen on the street. And and if you wear a wig right now, we that's cool. It seems like it would be hot right now. Yeah, I know. In the summer. Mm. I'm going to take mine off when we go outside. <laughs>